the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now, this is a church that exists to help people like you find the real life you were created for. Find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. 10. And today we continue in the series in the first book of 1 Corinthians. Today we're in chapter 8. Pastor Sean challenges you to grow in your faith just like he does so often. Part of that challenge is often to stop doing what you shouldn't be doing. That includes something called legalism. Sean's got some great stories on that. Reachingforreallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. If you feel led right now to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do today. There's a place to give at reachingforreallife.org. Today is part two of a message called A Matter of Conscience. Pastor Sean is in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. The reason this is so important is that we as church people, we actually tend to be a little prone to legalism. See, Jesus actually on the cross set us free from the bondage of sin and from the trap of self-effort. What the cross communicates whether it's the cross at the front of this room right over there, whether it's the cross around my neck or yours or the cross on your wall at home, what the cross says is I can't save myself. And Jesus did that for me. He lived a sinless life and then paid the penalty for my sin. Self-effort will never do it. The irony is that we in church circles have then proceeded to say, Jesus paid the penalty for you, Jesus, and now here's all this other stuff that you need to do if you really want to be a good Christian for Jesus. And don't get me wrong, there are things that the Bible tells us we need to do as we follow Jesus. I'm talking about all the other stuff. I grew up Pentecostal. I mean, we took it to a next level art form. I mean, as far as what you ate, what you drank, what you dressed like, what, what, how women did their hair. They couldn't cut their hair. And then so they put their hairs around, hair around coffee cans and made this huge Marge Simpson bumblebee thing. You don't think Marge Simpson made that up. Matt Groening didn't make that up for Marge Simpson. That guy grew up in church, I promise you. Ned Flanders convinced me the creator of Simpsons grew up in church. Hadley diddly. You guys watch the Simpsons. I'm, I, see, that's a matter of conscience. I can't believe you all. And I remember when I got saved as a little kid. I was eight years old when I got saved. I remember going to church, this Pentecostal church, and these ladies with these things. I'm like to my mom, looking at them. She's hitting me, making me stop staring. It's the lady sitting down in church. You want to get a tape measure? How tall is that thing? Well done. It's that, and, and by the way, we're making fun a little bit, right? Of course. Okay, that's fine. That was an attempt to do something that led to righteousness. And for the first people who did that, here's the, here's the thing that will really blow your mind. It probably was a step of obedience to avoid 
the worldly kind of approach to appearance, the worldly approaches to grooming and accentuating of the feminine beauty, and all those were an attempt to walk in righteousness, but after a generation or so when we forgot why, it just became legalism. And here's the thing about legalism. Legalism and judgment always go hand in hand. And let me tell you why. Judgment is the point, because legalism is a scorecard by which I am better than others at keeping the rules. And I get to judge them, and I get to win. I get to say, oh, look, I did the rules better. I didn't taste, I didn't touch, I dressed different, I, and I'm a better Christian. Because the real Christian stuff is much harder. Like, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Love your neighbor. Feed the poor. I mean, there is real stuff in the Scripture that tells us how to follow Jesus. But it's so much easier if we just make up some rules and then kind of say, okay, the good Christians are the ones who do these few things in the checkpoint, which I've kind of rigged so I can win. And it's usually not that strategic, but it gets passed down in generation after generation. We read the book uh, Unshockable Love as a leadership team by John Burke, and he talked about the study that was done between their church and the Barna group regarding the attitudes and actions of Jesus versus the attitudes and actions of the Pharisees. And I think they were surprised. I was surprised how much of the attitudes and actions of the Pharisees are just in me because of my church upbringing. It's not like I intentionally said, I want these things in my life. But I just find, I run into them. I have to deal with them in my head all the time. Wait a minute, is that Jesus or is that the Pharisees? Where'd that, where'd that thought come from about that person or about that act? Is that, did Jesus tell me I have to think that way? Is that the way Jesus would look at that person? Or is that the Pharisee in me that was just raised to see people that way? And it's just interesting how much of a part, and, and legalism and judgment always go hand in hand. They really do. The fact is I get to win. Colossians 2, 16 through 23, listen to what Paul wrote there. He said, therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. Don't let anyone judge you that way. These are shadows of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. He's dealing with issues that they had to deal with, but there was a lot of judgment. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they've seen. They're puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They've lost connection with the head, talking about Jesus, from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. In another level, a letter, he said, that head is Jesus Christ. And then he goes on, since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why as though you still belong to the world do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom. Interesting phrase. They have an appearance of of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body. But they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. They don't retrain the heart. See, legalism appears spiritual, but is often quite carnal. When you stop and think about legalism, the kind of rules by which we shame each other, the rules that aren't necessarily biblical, they're just rules that we have because we're good church people. They're more often than not based in pride, which is carnal. Fear, which is carnal. 
false wisdom, which another way to say that is foolishness. Legalism appears spiritual, but it's actually quite carnal. The two things I think we can draw from here, don't judge others on these matters. Don't judge others on these matters. And, And here's the thing, you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, but don't we encourage each other in righteousness? Yes, that we do. But I don't get to be the judge. I don't get to cast judgment. I don't get to make up rules. The Word of God says it. That is our guideline. You know, even around here as a church, yes, we have bylaws. But when we get together for meetings, we want the Scripture to be our primary guide. We have articles of incorporation. We have bylaws. We're all legal and stuff, really. But when we meet and when we do business together, when we operate, we want the Scripture to be our guide. Because that's not just made-up rules of men. It is the eternal Word of God. And so we don't get to go, and if I don't like the way a person has chosen to really walk out their desire to follow Jesus in righteousness or the way they believe the Lord's leading, I don't get to go and judge them. Because Paul says in another passage, we'll read in a minute, who are you to judge another man's servant? (laughs) They're going to answer to him. But the second thing he said, so I, I don't waste my time going around and judging everybody, okay? There are ways in the church, and Matthew 18, if a brother's overcoming sin or if he sins against you, there are ways to actually help. There are ways to handle this. I'm not saying we never deal with sin. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying this idea of, of kind of casting judgment on everybody, which not only is the church kind of struggled with, now the whole culture. We live in the most judgy culture in the world. And we have wonderful tools like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram to help us cast judgment on people we don't even know. We have known nothing about them. But man, I heard that they tweeted something, so I judged them. Secondly, and I want you to, I want you to hear this. Paul didn't really talk so much. He, he did talk about judging, he, but his main emphasis in that passage we read in Colossians was, why do you let those kind of people judge you? The one who you're supposed to be living to please... You know, in worship, we talk about dance for an audience of one. I'm not not worshiping so you see. I'm not worshiping so other people can see or the spiritual people can see. I'm worshiping because I love Jesus and I want him to know how much I love him and I worship him. Well, in the same way, he says, don't let those harsh critics be your judge. He said, don't subscribe to their rules, their stuff. Because what it does is it actually steals from the real message of righteousness in the gospel. This is not some sort of easy Christianity. Because following Jesus is always going to lead you to do things that you go, man, my flesh didn't want to do. I never thought I would do, but Jesus told me to do it. And I'm following Jesus. But it might be very different than the things that kind of our church rules have led us to focus on. Not only should we not be pointing finger judgment, we shouldn't let others judge you. And he brings up this big concept, legalism as a motivation versus love. We'll talk about that in a moment. See, there's a time to abstain, but why you abstain makes all the difference. And let's take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called A Matter of Conscience, which is available right now on the sermon page at reachingforreallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. And in fact, right now, your gift of any amount will get you the latest book from Pastor Sean Azaro. 
302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer. But I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now the conclusion to the message, A Matter of Conscience. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. Second point, I abstain because I love God and trust that he loves me. That's why there are things that I just won't do, matters of conscience. I abstain because I love God and I trust that he loves me. John 14, 23 and 24. Anyone who loves me, Jesus says, will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. See, here's the point. There are commands that Jesus gives, that God gives in the Word of God, and he gives them because he loves us, and he cares about us, and he wants us to be led to life, not death. There are commands that we follow and we walk in and that we obey. Two weeks ago, we talked about sexual ethics and commands regarding Scripture. We understand God didn't give those to us because he wants to destroy our lives and he's the cosmic killjoy. No, he gave them to us because he wants us to have abundant life, real life. He wants us to find true meaning and have good fruit in our lives. That's why they exist. And see, I trust him enough to know that he loves me. And I trust him enough to know that if he gives me a command, I'm going to follow because he loves me. Last week, we talked about marriage and we talked about divorce. But that's a hard word. Do you know that your father gave it because he loves you and because when we walk in obedience, while it might be hard, there's a blessing on the other side, there's a gift on the other side, there's good fruit that's going to come on the other side, and that's where his vision is? That's what he wants you to enjoy? Or do you think he just loves making up rules that are hard for us so we can watch us suffer? That's a messed up vision of God. Commands against drunkenness. He loves me. Commands to pray. Pray without ceasing, because he loves me, and he wants me to be connected to him. The command to love one another, because he knows what incredible blessing that will be if we will really love one another. See, there are real commands. There are things I actually do abstain from, but I do it because I love God, and I trust that he loves me. See, I trust him because he loves me, and I obey him because I love him. We obey out of our love for him, because, look, Jesus, I, I actually believe you. I don't just believe you can save me from my sins and deliver me to heaven. I actually believe you're the son of God. So I believe when you talk about sexual ethics, if I'll follow you, uh, it leads to good fruit. You're the creator. I trust you. I really love you and I believe you. I believe when you talk about how I should treat other people, that if I'll actually do that, Lord, good fruit will come in my relationships. I believe that and I know it's in love. And so I obey him because I love him. See how different that is than legalism? Then the fear of what's that older brother or sister who's kind of the critic and watchdog? What are they going to think of me? I don't care what they think of me. I mean, some of you need to get, get around to that. And I'm not talking about being rude or not being concerned with people. I'm just saying, when, it talks about, when you talk about people's opinions, you can waste your whole life being a people pleaser. 
way to fix that right away. Become a God pleaser. And we call the fear of God the, the fear to end all fears. Fear of men, fear of people's opinions is one of our greatest struggles, one of the things we wrestle with. You want to get rid of that? Just, Lord, I fear you. I respect and reverence you. I want to follow you. I want to please you. It's amazing how now all of a sudden, I'm not, I don't want to be offensive to people. <laughs> I say that. I'm, I don't want to. I, I'm just, I think, good at it. So there, there it is. No, I don't want to be offensive to anybody. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings or anything. But I can't, I can't please everybody. So I'm going to please him. And that's a game changer. There is a time to abstain, but why you abstain makes all the difference. Number three, I abstain because love requires that I support my brothers and sisters. That's one of the primary messages here. I abstain because love requires that not only do I worry about my righteousness, but I support my brothers and sisters in their pursuit of righteousness. Now I'm going to read you another kind of lengthy chapter, or lengthy passage from Romans chapter 14. Listen, the whole thing, this is a fantastic teaching just in this passage. So listen and let the Lord speak. Beginning at verse 1, Romans 14. Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. In other words, matters where God hasn't said, black and white, here it is. But where he left us some leeway as to how we follow Jesus and let him speak to us. Disputable matters. One's person faith allows him to eat anything. Another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. The one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own minds. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. He's talking about Sabbath and holy days. It's okay if you go to Saturday night church, if you go to Monday night church. It's okay. Some people are like, no, 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 it has to be on Sunday morning between 9 or noon or God can't show up. Please. Scripture says different. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. Whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone. And none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put a stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. That, remember that phrase from the Corinthians passage? Stumbling block or obstacle. Make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. And then verse 14, I'm convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. Oh, some of you need to underline that right now. You need to underline that. But if anyone regards something as unclean, 
than for that person that is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you're no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. I abstain because love requires that I support my brothers and sisters. See, there's this idea of the weaker brother. And what that means is someone whose conscience is weaker towards something you have a liberty in. One of the things we talk about a lot is, is it okay to drink alcohol? I mean, you know, I don't think many, in the world, people don't think twice about it. The Bible never says that you can't or shouldn't drink alcohol. You just need to know that. A lot of great Christians I know have made a policy of never touching the stuff. And I think if that's their conviction, I think there's a lot of danger that, is, that can, be, can be experienced if someone walks too far down that road. I think there are people who have addictive personalities. I think there are people who grew up in the homes of alcoholics. I think there are people who themselves were or are alcoholics who just say, yeah, I don't touch the stuff. And I say, God bless you. That's, that's what he's talking about there. That's that thing where you say, yeah, that's going to lead me to a place I don't need to go. But if you're someone who maybe you've never been there or that's not your thing and you feel it's just fine to have a glass of wine, have a beer, have a drink, that's what the Scripture's talking about. And we have to walk in grace understanding that if I'm going to dinner with a brother who I know has struggled with alcoholism and struggles with alcohol and I'm going to order the bottle of wine for the table, that's not love. That's what he's saying. He's saying, he's saying your liberty isn't that important. <laughs> I'm glad you have liberty. Be free. Don't be in bondage. But take care of your brother. Take care of your sister. And so if I know that something, one of my liberties is going to hurt my brother or sister, I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to enjoy their company. See, that's what he's talking about. He's saying that that doesn't mean that it's wrong to ever have a glass of wine. He's not saying that. He's saying it's wrong to cause your brother or, or sister who's struggling in that area to stumble and that your higher ethic your your higher calling is that of love your brother and sister than the liberty that you may enjoy which god freely gives so that's what he's trying to help us understand that's what he's talking about a stumbling block see th- there is the exercise of my liberty which is a gift of jesus christ it is a gift of the lord but then there's my obligation to love which is also a gift and a calling of my lord jesus christ Because I'm free to do something doesn't mean I'm compelled to do that thing. And so I trust the Lord in that. See, there's a time to abstain, but why you abstain makes all the difference. There are things I abstain from when I'm with a brother or sister who they need me to abstain from that thing, and I am absolutely okay with that. That's a good thing that Jesus finds pleasing. And that's how we carry out our love of one another. We take care of each other in that regard. That's the body of Christ. Last thing, everyone's call and conscience are different. Oh, this is, see, I only have a few minutes. I need to go and just talk to, I need to have everyone tell their issues of conscience so that we can know where they're different. This is so important. Remember what we just read in verse 14? He says, I'm convinced nothing is unclean in itself, but if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. Billy Graham tore the TVs out of hotel rooms if they weren't removed for him because for him, that was a conviction the Lord had given him. And to not do that would have put a temptation before him and he recognized himself. I just so respect this Billy Graham. He knew it's going to be a temptation. I'm going to waste time. I'm going to 
Maybe watch something that isn't appropriate. Whatever his reasoning was, he just said, I'm not going to do it. And that became a point of obedience. Not because the Bible says everybody has to do that, but because for him, he believed God told him to do that. See, we all have different callings and conscience. You might be called uh, to, to fast a certain day of the week or for a certain amount of time. And that's a call of the Lord for you. But don't try to put that on everybody else and say, if you're not doing that, you're not a good Christian. We do this all the time. Understanding that our, our calling in Jesus can be different. Our conscience on particular issues can be different. And we must obey the calling of Jesus. We must listen to the voice of his spirit as he deals with our conscience before him. God may be calling you to some disciplines that he's not calling everyone else to at this time. And understand, here's the deal. He might call you to some disciplines for a season. And then next season, he releases that. That's okay. That's exactly how spiritual growth works. That's exactly how God speaks. But during that season, I don't want to go around with a tag that says, I'm doing this, and if you're not, you're just not as good a Christian as me. And we sometimes get that attitude. That's that legalism. Rooted in pride. I'm wanting to bolster myself and feel more spiritual than someone else. Just know, if you're following Jesus, we're all called to crucify the flesh. Maybe different parts, different points of training, different points of discipline at different seasons in my life. So I don't get to go around and judge everybody else who's not doing what I'm doing. The whole point is unity. What that kind of judgment does is it divides. There's a time to abstain, but why you abstain makes all the difference. I abstain because his word tells me to. And those things are a little more clear. There are certain things we're all just commanded to abstain from. And we, we get that. It's all the other things that sometimes he has us abstain from. And for a good reason. But I do it because I love him because he loves me. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. If you'd like to hear this full message in the series called One, it's available right now on demand at reachingforreallife.org. And we'd also love to hear from you on our contact us page, or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue on the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, right next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. 
Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.